So Happy New Year. Did I say that earlier? I've been saying it so much, I've forgotten who I've said it to and um, how often I've said it. We had an awesome um, New Year's Eve service. It was the first time we tried it. It was lacquer. We started out with a bride. <laughs> um, we had the auditorium all decked out. It was amazingly decorated. Cindy did a great job. Um, and then we saw 2023 in together. We had some testimonies. Um, Craig shared a devotion to help us focus again. It was awesome to do that. So here we are again. It's our first time here in 2023 in the school hall. Awesome. Um, I'm trying out this new tablet. I found it under the Christmas tree. <laughs> the tag said, To Bevan, Merry Christmas. You're awesome. Love from Bevan. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's 2023, it's a new season, lots of new things happening. Um, we're in that phase now of letting go and grabbing hold of. I know many of us are still kind of in holiday mode. Um, probably some of you will head for the beach or find water. It's a really beautiful day to be outside. Um, so we're kind of there, you know, we're kind of, we're, we're letting go of, we're resting, we're recuperating as we prepare to grab hold of us, to grab hold of at least what lies before us. I know some of us are still rounding off some things from 2022, maybe because load shedding prevented you to. I know I had someone, a chat with someone in the week, they said they got some admin to do before they can even start with, with new stuff in earnest. And so every day in this season, all around us, it seems like things are ending and new things are beginning on different scales, you know, major things, small things, minor things. And when I, when I reflect back on 2022, it seems like 2022 was maybe a year of, of rebuilding after the worst of COVID had hit us. We know that some countries, nations in the world, particularly in the East, are still desperately fighting the battle. Um, but it seems like we have passed the most of it here. And so 2022 was kind of a, especially the, the second half of it seemed to me at least to be a year of, of, of rebuilding um, in most spheres of life, in relationships, in work and finances, in travel, at school for the children, sport as well, then even, even in spiritual matters in some way as well. And I, I've, I saw on the news earlier in the week, there's even now serious talks about um, instituting a four-day work week um, in particular sectors. I wonder if load shedding has something to do with that. Um, and so there are, there are now these new ways of doing things, um, and so old ways need to be released in a sense. Launching of new things, grounding of others, beginnings and endings. And as we know, beginnings and endings are part of daily life. Um, and we have to be able to negotiate those shifts those moves with wisdom. But what happens if you find 
that you are unable to do that? What happens if you find that that's a problem or an issue for you? How do we deal with those endings and beginnings is actually very important um, because it forms part of our everyday lives. It's unavoidable. Um, and so 2022 has, entered, has ended, 2023 is here now, and how we are even dealing with just that in the light of what the last three years has meant for us is actually quite important. Now, I'd like for us this morning just to meditate on that idea for, for the next few minutes. And I hope that in some way it ties in with um, that short series that Craig did in leading up to Christmas when we, we changed our focus again. Now, as we know, there are many, many stories in the Bible about things ending and things starting up again and how we should respond to them, and we learn by looking at the characters in Scripture and how they dealt with it, and we apply that to our lives. And so today I want us to look at one such story that is found in the book of Deuteronomy. Um, I've heard it said that if you read through Deuteronomy in one sitting, you realize God's fatherly love for his people. And if you read it, you should see quite clearly that the Bible is not something like two different books. You know, it seems like there's this notion out there today that the Old Testament is this book that's full of laws and it's kind of nasty and there are all these old people. And when we look at the New Testament, there's this book about love and it's just so inviting almost as though there were two different gods spoken of in Scripture, or that God somehow had changed who he was during the course of history. But we know that that's not true. There is one God who never changes. And we are to love him as we fear him, and we are to fear him as we love him. And he is as much to be loved in the Old Testament, as he is to be feared in the New. So we're going to read from um, Deuteronomy, the first book, um, the first chapter at least. Um, we actually need to read for this particular story the first three chapters, but that's way too long. Um, so we'll just, I'll kind of try to give us a brief summary as we go, um, and then we'll and then we'll take it from there. What I'm going to try to do is I'll try to read the first three verses in the original Hebrew, in the language that it was written in, and then from verse 4 onwards, we'll go in English. So don't judge me. It is not my first language. Ele dabar asher dabar, Moshe el kol Yisrael eber, Yarden midbar araba, Mulsuf bain paran bain, Tofel laban tzatzerot, Di zahab. Echad asar yom, Shoreb derek harsear at, Barnea kadesh. Haya arbaim shana, Ashte asar chodesh, Echad Chodesh Dabar 
Moshe el ben Yisrael, kol asher tzava Yahweh et el. This was after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who resigned in Heshbon, and that Edrai had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who resigned, who reigned in Ashtarot, east of the Jordan in the territory of Moab. Moses began to expound this law, saying, verse 6, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. Amen. So we'll, we'll stop there and then we'll consider kind of what the big picture is here in, in these few verses. So this is a pick of what is believed to be the real Mount Sinai, or also called Mount Horeb. Um, there's actually some controversy about this particular site. Um, it's found in Saudi Arabia, in a region that, is, that people are not allowed to go into by the Arabs. Um, there's, a, there's a traditional site that's in the, in the Sinai Peninsula. They have a little... Um, temple built at the base of that mountain, but there seems to be good archaeological evidence for this to be the mountain. And the particular Mount Sinai is the little, that little point there. there. And in the foreground here, there's a massive plain where it is understood that the Israelites would have camped out. We aren't really sure how many there were. Could be anything from 600,000 to 2.4 million, depending on how you interpret the censuses that were kept and recorded in the book of Numbers. So, and the, the text actually mentions a lot about the, 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 the landscape, so it's quite interesting just to get an idea of what it looks like. It's very rocky, very arid, very dry area that they found themselves in. And so as we read through this, as you actually read through the first three chapters of Deuteronomy, this is actually the picture of what's happening. Moses is standing there in front of this crowd of Israelites. And he's giving them this talk. He's giving them um, an encouraging talk, maybe what we could call a pep talk, um, that includes good counsel. And what he's doing is he's retelling them the story of how they came to be there. And so they had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. And Moses is speaking to this generation of believers to a large extent about what their parents and their grandparents did. And he takes the first three chapters of Deuteronomy 
to do that. And what he does very briefly, here comes the summary, is that Moses reminds them that God had liberated them from slavery in Egypt. He reminds them that he had led them out of Egypt to this place at the base of Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb where God gave them the Ten Commandments. It is the place where God made a covenant with them at the base of that mountain where he says in Exodus chapter 6 and verse 7, I will be your God and you will be my people. Remember that. And then Moses then reminds them how God told them to move from that space and to go and to take possession of the promised land in verse 8. Moses, as we know, he had appointed leaders to assist him, and then he recaps for them again how their parents and their grandparents were very reluctant to go into the land, but what they rather did was they sent spies. Remember that story? They sent spies into the land to go and see what the land was like in verse 22. And then the spies returned, as we know, and some of the spies had said, yeah, it's a good land, and said that um, they can go and that they shouldn't fear. Um, But again, they were so fearful in that time, in that moment, um, and unhappy that they actually started talking about stoning Moses and Aaron. So that's kind of what had happened um, there. And then God had stepped in and he said to, to, um, to that particular generation that not one of them would ever see the land that he had promised on oath to their forefathers. And no one who had treated him with contempt will ever see it. That's what it says in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 23. And so because they were scared to go into the promised land, they wandered in the desert for an entire generation. So they felt that they couldn't go back to Egypt and they were too scared to go forward into what God had promised he had prepared for them. So in their In their context, God was providing for them, but nothing of the mission of God was going forward. It seemed like they were in maintenance mode. They were doing just enough to please God, just enough to get by, and the situation that they were in, they felt was fine. And then Moses told them, this is what happened a generation ago. He's saying to these people, 40 years ago, your parents were gathered here. Your grandparents were standing here. And if they had believed God, then you would not have been born in the desert, but you would have been born in Canaan. But fear took over. And so you were born in the desert. And that's all that you have ever known. And he says to them, now God is calling you again, the next generation. It's your moment of opportunity. It's your moment of destiny. And that's the story. That's the story that um, we want to think about this morning. It's about God's people facing this 
major transition in their lives. It's about endings and the potential for beginnings. It's more for them, it's more than just a big decision that may change things for a season for them and then things would kind of normalize again, you know, those kinds of decisions. It would change for them rather every aspect of their lives. And not only their lives, but the lives of generations that would follow on after them. So how does this speak to us today? How do we take that story that we can see happened out in that arid, dry place, and how do we bring it to South Africa, to Cape Town, to Pinelands? You see, the message of this book is about what it takes for people with a faith to become people with a mission. The generation that died in the desert, they believed in God, and they had experienced him in the miracle that they had gone through in the exodus of being taken out of slavery. But their response to that was an action of unbelief. And so I think the first thing that we can note from this is that unbelief wastes time. It should have taken them, you know what, it should have taken them, and we've heard this before, and you'll probably hear it again, it should have taken them 11 days to walk from that, that space at the base of the mountain to walk to the promised land. It's about 509 kilometers. So maybe a walk from here to George. Is that about, about right? That kind of distance. It could have taken them 11 days, but it took them 40 years. You see, God did so much for these people but in turn, they did so little for him. So much could have been done, yet so little had been accomplished. And so again, the great question that comes from reading Deuteronomy is, how can the people of God with a faith become the people of God with a mission? How can you move from being a person with a faith to being a person with a mission? How do you move from being in maintenance mode all your life to actually moving with purpose? And how can we as a people, as a church, as a community, with a faith, move to a church with a mission? And these are questions that we need to keep asking ourselves. This is not a once-off kind of question. It's a question that we keep revisiting in our lives so that we don't become complacent and find ourselves like the Israelites stuck in maintenance mode because your whole life, your whole generation could pass you by without even moving. So I want to suggest very briefly two more things that need to happen along with that reality. You have to break free from being defined by your past. Now think about these people um, when they had moved on, when they were standing on the verge of the Jordan River. Um, they had all been born in the desert and they didn't know anything else. Now imagine you're in your, you're in your late 30s. I think 
Some of, most of us here are in our early 30s. <laughs> Greg said it will take a lot of imagining. <laughs> but imagine you're in your 30s. You've got a family. You yourself were born in the desert. If you can imagine what that could be like. You have a young family of your own, and your children were born in the desert too. And God has been good to you, and he has provided manna for you every day. And you've never known anything else. You believe in him, and you're grateful for all that he has done for you, but your whole life has been shaped by the instincts and the choices of your parents. They were believers also, but they were very cautious and so afraid of risk. And that has become something that has defined who you have become. And the only faith that you have ever experienced is a faith that leaves you wandering around. Okay? Experiencing God's provision, yes, but not doing anything to advance his purpose in the world. So you're a believer, but your life doesn't seem to have any defining mission. Now, as you're sitting there, I know some of you might be thinking, that's me. And the rest of us would be thinking, yeah, that's the guy next to me. <laughs> so let me say to you, if your life is going to count for God, you need to break free from being defined by your past. You need to be freed from thinking that believing in God and enjoying his provision is all that there is. Thirdly, you have to overcome your fear of the future. You see, God was calling these people to do some things that none of them had ever done before or even considered or thought about doing before. Moses said to them, we are going to live in houses. How do you live in a house when the only thing that you've ever known is sleeping in a tent? Moses said to them, we're going to plant crops and raise harvests. But the only thing that you've ever known is gathering manna from heaven in the mornings. You see, God was leading them to a place that they had never been before. And to a life that they were completely and entirely unfamiliar with. And so as we enter into this new season that lies before us, perhaps you're going to start a new venture. Maybe you're going to start a new job. Or maybe our children are starting at school again. Or maybe um, you're starting or thinking of getting married this year. And everything is new. And when you move into something you have never experienced before, there are always fears. It's par for the course to be fearful in that moment. But here's the challenge that God's people were facing. Can we break free from the past or will the past always shape us? 
And can I overcome my fears for the future, or will these fears always hold me back? And so Moses gets up, as we saw in that image that helps us to imagine it, and he speaks the words in this book to this community of followers of Yahweh who had been defined by their past and they were afraid of the future. They were people with a faith, but they were not on a mission. And so Moses spoke to them in that, in those first three chapters, again about the call of God, the love of the Father. Because when God calls you, he gives you the power to break free from the defining patterns of the past. And Moses spoke to them about the love of God because it is the love of God when it pours down into your soul that empowers you to overcome your fears of the future because perfect love casts out fear. And so these people heard the call of God because they experienced the love of God. And if we continue to read, it was 70 days later after this that they moved into the land of Canaan because they ended up trusting God. And they finally stepped into what he had called and prepared for them to step into. And so this is the story in Deuteronomy and I think it has a lot to do with us. It has a lot that we can relate to, especially in the season that we find ourselves now as we make ready to start this year afresh. Now, as we conclude, final point. Fast forward from here, 1,300 years out of the desert, into Jerusalem, to the time of Jesus. And we find Jesus with his disciples. Think about that night when he was betrayed. And picture these men gathered around Jesus. You see, they were men of faith, yes, men and women of faith, but they didn't yet have a mission. They are believers, but nothing about them yet was changing the world. And then Jesus showed them the full extent of his love in his crucifixion. And after the crucifixion, the talk amongst the disciples was all about going fishing. It was all about going back to what was safe and familiar again. But then the risen Jesus walks into the room in that moment and he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when they receive the love of Christ, and the call of Christ, the people in that room became a people of faith, but also a people on mission. 
Maybe this morning as you're sitting there and you're thinking about that question, um, or maybe you're thinking about the commitment as we step into this new season of becoming again a fully committed follower of Jesus. If you're thinking about that question, this is the answer. God has called you. And he calls all of us to be more than just people with a faith. He calls us to be people on a mission. And people with a faith become people with a mission when the love of Christ enables you to overcome fear. And the call of Christ breaks you free from being defined by your past.